Malachi Smith became the latest Zag to declare for the 2023 NBA draft. And will he return to school? And what does this mean for Mark Few's team? All of that coming up right here on the Locked on Zags podcast. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Well, we got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about a new assistant coach replacing Roger Powell and RJ Barsh from Florida State. We're going to talk about him in the final segment, but we got to open talking about Malachi Smith and his somewhat confusing declaration for the NBA draft. And I say confusing, not in the sense that I'm surprised Malachi Smith is doing this. I'm not surprised by that at all. But for those of you who are following along on social media on Wednesday afternoon, as this news broke, there was a lot of confusion about whether this declaration means Malachi Smith is foregoing his remaining college eligibility. So just to kind of recap the situation, uh, Malachi Smith is has one more year of college eligibility thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic and the extra year granted for everybody. Uh, he has the ability to return to Gonzaga. He declared for the NBA draft and didn't specify whether he was going to maintain his eligibility, which for him, the difference there is what, what kind of agent he hires. There are specific NCAA-approved agents you can hire where that you can hire that agent they'll work for you but you can still return to school you can also hire non-ncaa approved agents in which case you are officially foregoing your college eligibility the other aspect of this the one that is more important for this particular situation you cannot declare if you declare for the nba draft a third time per the current rules in the ncaa and the nba collective bargaining agreement you cannot then return to school this is not that it worked out poorly, it worked out fantastic, but this is what happened with Andrew Nempard last year when he declared for the NBA draft. There was no mystery. He was gone. He declared for the NBA draft. He did not have the ability per the NCAA rules to return to Gonzaga for that final year. When Malachi Smith declared, there were conflicting reports that came out immediately. Some said that he had declared in 2021 after his, I believe his first or second season at Chattanooga, as well as in 2022 and now in 2023, which would mean his eligibility is gone. I saw messages about this. Many of the rest of you saw messages about this. There was a report from Chattanooga, his previous school, that indicated that he had entered the NBA draft after the 2021 season. That is not true. Per excellent reporting, and I have to give him a shout out. I've given him shout outs on the show before. Everydayers know that, but Theo Lawson, Spokesman Review, he did the dirty work. He figured this out. He solved the equation, spoke to Malachi Smith, spoke to other representatives, determined that as of at least this recording at 10.52 a.m. on Thursday morning, Malachi Smith does have the ability to return to Gonzaga. He did not declare in 2021. He did declare in 2022 while also entering the transfer portal and ultimately choosing to come to Gonzaga. So this declaration is his second time doing so. That is where we are at with that right now, meaning that Malachi Smith can return to Gonzaga. A couple things that this means. One, he absolutely should have declared for the NBA draft. I believe any player should who has even a slight chance of playing in the NBA should declare for the NBA draft. I don't know why almost every player on Gonzaga's roster doesn't do it. The only reason you shouldn't is if you don't want to burn that 
one of those three opportunities to do so. For example, and I don't mean this in any way, shape, or form disrespectfully to him as a basketball player, but it doesn't make sense for Braden Huff to declare for the NBA draft after the season. NBA scouts don't have a whole lot on him. They don't have a lot of information on him. They're, of course, going to tell him to return to school. And for him, it would be burning one of those three opportunities to declare for the NBA draft. But Malachi Smith, if this is truly his second one and he still has an extra one after this, why wouldn't you? I mean, he doesn't have any more years to return to school. So, of course, you're going to declare for the NBA draft. Get as much information as you can possibly can. This, And we'll talk about this later as we haven't heard an announcement yet. But I'm just going to say this right now for anybody who is, is listening and maybe concerned about this. There's a high likelihood we will hear an announcement that Anton Watson is declaring for the NBA draft. It does not mean that he is not returning to school. In fact, I personally think it would be stupid for Anton Watson to not declare for the NBA draft. I'm just going to say that because I. why wouldn't you? It's not hurting him in any way, shape, or form to do that. It does not cost him the ability to return to school. He only has one year of eligibility left. Unless I'm missing something and Anton Watson has already done this twice, which I don't think is the case, I think you should absolutely do that. And in this case, for Malachi Smith, because it's not impacting his eligibility, this was 1 million percent the correct thing to do. If you want to play in the NBA, if you believe you have even a you know, a small chance of playing in the NBA, you have to go see what those scouts are saying. And even if, it, even if you're not, you know, even if you might not be an NBA player, I'll be honest, I don't think Malachi Smith is an NBA player. I think that he could get some looks. He could play in the summer league. He could get some opportunities out there. There was a lot of six, four, six, five high level shooters like him out there. I'm not sure that he can separate himself enough to be a, a legitimate NBA player, but why wouldn't you go find out, go find out what the scouts have to say, the general managers, the, the, anybody who's out there, the agents, all the people involved in this process, go get that information. Maybe they can connect you to, to a high level program in Europe that you want to play at. Maybe they can, they'll find a spot for you in the G league because they like you. Like who knows what might come out of that, but there's no risk. There's no reason not to do it. So that's where I'm at with the time for the NBA draft. I think if you, unless it's going to actively harm you in terms of your eligibility to return to school, I think you should absolutely do it. I think Malachi Smith is making the correct decision in terms of whether he will stay or go. I wish I knew more depending on how long it takes him to make this decision. I do expect us to reevaluate this in another episode where we have a little bit more time to kind of dive into the pros and cons and, and what this might look like. Of course, right now, Gonzaga's guard rotation is just completely up in the air. We'll talk about that more in the second segment, but while I don't think that he's, I don't think he's going to get drafted. I would be very shocking to me if he was one of the 58 players selected in the 2023 NBA draft. I think there is a small possibility that he would get signed in the summer league, not a small pot. He would get signed and play in the summer league. I think there'd be a, there's a limited chance he would end up on a two-way contract or anything like that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Malachi Smith is just guaranteed to come back. Because his options are not get signed by an NBA team or return to Gonzaga. He has plenty of other options. He could settle into a career in the G League. He could settle into a career overseas. There are tons and tons of very lucrative uh, opportunities to play overseas. And I think a lot of people, especially in the NIL era, kind of look at that as, well, college is the next best option. And for some people, it might be. Oscar Shibway came back, of course. Drew Timmy returned when he did. Trace Jackson Davis, Hunter Day. Like, there's tons of these, these players that, that stay in college because they can make big money. Mal but, but we don't know everybody's situation. Malachi Smith may just be done with college. He's been here for a long time. He's in grad school. Maybe he's done. Maybe he wants to move on to the next stage of his life, whether that is overseas, whether that is here in the States, whether that is, you know, I mean, the financial aspect of it, maybe it's not as lucrative as it used to be when you weren't getting paid in college at all. 
But I don't think Malachi Smith's making huge money from an NIL perspective at Gonzaga. Maybe this is a way to try to get some more money there. Shout out him if that's what you're trying to do. I get that. But I just don't think that – I think a lot of people are looking at this pretty black and white of like, well, he's not going to get drafted, so he's going to return to Gonzaga. I don't know that that's the case. I don't know. I, I, I wish I had more information or insight or intel here, but I really don't. I, I've been kind of pretty upfront about the fact that I'm really 50-50 on Malachi Smith, whether he's going to return or not. Certainly – Certainly, we have seen players improve their draft stock returning to Gonzaga. Corey Kispert is one of the most notable examples of that. Malachi Smith could, in theory, return to Gonzaga into a bigger role. There's nobody standing in his way right now. Rasir Bolton, who started over him, gone. Hunter Salas, who likely would have started over him or at least would have pushed him for playing time, gone. Julian Strother, who didn't really play the same position but still was one of the players in that mix, gone. Like, there's nobody there that is going to take minutes away from Malachi Smith. Nolan Hickman is still here. He's They play different positions. Dusty Stromer, I don't think, would play over Malachi Smith. That would be surprising. Steel Venters plays more of the three role that Julian Strother played, and I don't think necessarily steals playing time for Malachi Smith. So I think that there's a real opportunity for him to return to Gonzaga, play 28, 30 minutes a night in a starting role or a high-level bench role, depending on how the rest of the transfer portal process shakes out. But is that going to improve his draft stock? I don't really think so because NBA scouts and general managers are so age focused and age obsessed that a player aging a year hurts them so much that the ability, the performance that you have to put together, like Corey Kispert had to improve dramatically from his junior year to his senior year in order to get drafted where he did. It has paid off quite handsomely for him as he was the 15th pick. Now a starting combo guard for the Washington Wizards just had a career year, but that story is rare. So it'll be interesting to see what Malachi Smith decides to do. A guy who played a significant role for the Zags last year, eight and a half points per game, 3.6 boards, one and a half assists, uh, 50% from three for Malachi Smith last year, only two and a half attempts per game, but still a guy who very clearly could light it up. He had a monster performance for the Zags in the WCC championship game against St. Mary's. He had 14 points there. He had 14 points against UCLA as well in that sweet 16 matchup. So, We'll have more about Malachi Smith, what this means for him, as we kind of learn a little bit more information about it. But what I want to talk about in the second segment is what this means for the Zags, because there's no beating around the bush right now. The Zags are in desperate need of more help in the backcourt. What does that mean for them? We'll talk about it right after a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all of the sugar and calories, then you need to get the best tasting protein bar ever built. You have got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make a healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. They are so amazing that you will not think they are good for you. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies, and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy for you. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network.
All right, segment two, and I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen every day for you everyday folks out there. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to talk about some potential transfer portal additions to help replace all of these guard departures, because guess what, folks? As we get here into the second segment, the Zags have lost pretty much every single guard from last year's roster. The only player who is definitively returning, who was a guard player for the Zags last season, is Nolan Hickman. And I say definitively, he could, in theory, enter the transfer portal. I suspect he would have done so by now, but hey, you never absolutely know what is going on there. No Rasir Bolton. He is gone. He cannot return. That is a 100% definitive. Dominic Harris, Hunter Salas have entered the transfer portal. In theory, both those players could return. I doubt either of them are going to do so. They have not committed anywhere else just yet julian strother declared for the nba draft we spoke about him earlier this week i do not think that he is coming back to gonzaga i have been wrong about this before but it just feels like he has a good enough grasp on an nba draft pick uh, that he is going to do that and move on with his professional career and now malachi smith now we talked about in the first segment i think malachi smith is the most likely of this group to return to gonzaga but whether he does or not the zags have some some work to do they, they don't have much of a, of a backcourt right now. The only replacements that they have brought in so far to replace basically everybody who has departed is transfer steel venters from Eastern Washington and incoming freshman Dusty Stromer. And they have two other incoming players, uh, South Korean Jun Suk-yo. Uh, they also have Alex Tui from the NBA Global Academy in Australia. Both those guys are 6'8 wings slash maybe small ball fours. So while I think those guys are productive uh, players coming in. I think they're guys who who could contribute right away, or at least are going to be big parts of this program's future. I don't envision either of them helping out the guard room next season. So the only players who are coming in who are really equipped to do that right now are, and Eventers is six, seven, like he's more of a Julian Strother replacement than anything. And, and you can argue whether Strother was part of the guard rotation, the front court, like he's just, he was a wing. He's kind of right in the middle. And I think Venters is kind of going to be the same thing. Now Venters helps replace some of the three-point shooting lost with Strother being gone, with Malachi Smith potentially being gone, with Rasir Bolton being gone. Three-point shooting is a significant area of loss on this roster. Venters provides that by being a 40% three-point shooter. We talked about him much more on Monday's episode. So if you missed that, go back, check it out. All things Steel Venters, what he brings, what kind of role we envision for him in Spokane. For Dusty Stromer, I suspect he's more of an off-ball guard, not a true point guard, which is good for Gonzaga because that's what they've lost most of. Hunter Salas was playing primarily as a point guard, but he often spent a lot of time as an, in an off-ball role as well. Rasir Bolton was very clearly an off-ball guard. Malachi Smith, very clearly an off-ball guard. So that's an area that they need to replenish. And right now, Dusty Stromer is kind of the option for that. Mark Few doesn't often like to play freshmen a ton of minutes right away. It is exceedingly rare that they do that. It's, it's not impossible. Corey Kispert played large minutes as a freshman. Of course, the one and done superstars, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Suggs, played big roles as a freshman. There have been others who have done so as well. Heck, Nolan Hickman played a decent role as a freshman just a year to, over last year. So it can happen. Stromer certainly appears from what we have seen on him on tape and what we have seen from scouts and heard from scouts. Uh, seems like the kind of player who could come in and contribute right away, but the Zags still need more help. They need more than that. 
it cannot just be Nolan Hickman, Steel Venters, and Dusty Stromer. That's not enough. Uh, so there, and even if Malachi Smith comes back, that's still maybe that's your four guard rotation. But even then, Venters again probably plays more of that three role. So they need to make more additions. They also have plenty of scholarships available, depending on whether Malachi Smith actually returns or not. They have as many as three or four open spots on the roster. So additions are going to be coming. They're going to be happening. And like I said at the top of this segment, we're going to talk more about specific players. We talked about Taron Armstrong, who is listed Gonzaga in his top four, alongside Creighton, alongside Providence, alongside Xavier. Xavier recently added a high-profile point guard that is worth noting. Does that take them out of the Taron Armstrong sweepstakes? Not necessarily, but could it? Absolutely. So Taron Armstrong, a very, very good name to keep an eye on a player. I would be thrilled to add to Gonzaga. He's more of a true point guard, but as I have said on this podcast, everydayers, you all know this. I've been saying it all week. I think Nolan Hickman could slide into an off-ball role, and that might be more beneficial for him or for the Zags. Maybe not for him, but I think he strikes me as a catch-and-shoot, attack-closeouts scorer who can do that in a way that is maybe more conducive to his skill set than being asked to facilitate the offense. When Nolan Hickman was running the point last year, he got a lot better at limiting turnovers, but he didn't make a ton happen. And I think for the Zags, adding a point guard who can really make more things happen, who can facilitate more, who can kind of be the engine, the straw that stirs the drink, as it were, uh, and have Hickman be more of a catch-and-shoot off-ball guard, that works for me. I think that that's a solid plan for the Zags, and Armstrong would be that guy. Other additions they could make, Stephen Ashworth. I spoke about him, I believe, on Tuesday's episode of Locked on Zags. He, out of Utah State, 43.5% three-point shooter last year. He listed his top five Zags on the list. So Taron Armstrong, Stephen Ashworth, two options that are not just theoretical out there in the in the stratosphere that is the transfer portal. These are players that Gonzaga has connected with, they have spoken to, and they have limited their list down to just a handful of schools. And in both instances, Gonzaga is one of the schools they are considering. So again, not just theoretical fantasy land transfer portal options. These are legitimate targets for the Zags, and there's a good chance they land one or both of these guys. So those are the biggest names to currently keep an eye on for Gonzaga and their transfer portal process. Other names that I haven't quite delved into fully on this show yet that I am planning to delve into, there are a handful of them. AJ Store from St. John's is a player that I've considered a lot and I think could be a nice fit for Gonzaga. Six foot six guard. Most of the players at St. John's have entered the transfer portal because they had a coaching change, brought in Rick Patino. So we'll see if he ends up going back to St. John's, if he stays in the portal process, how involved Gonzaga might get. Another one is Carlos Stewart who I'm hoping to talk about very shortly on the podcast. If that name sounds familiar to you, it's because he crushed Gonzaga this year at Santa Clara. He scored 33 points in two games against the Bulldogs. Really, really talented player at Santa Clara. Entered the transfer portal. Basically, every WCC school and a lot of other high-profile programs. Alabama is involved. There's a couple other tremendous top-flight Power 5 programs who are showing interest in Carlos Stewart. But for Gonzaga, it would be extremely rare to see them pull a starter from another WCC school. That is almost unheard of. But it would be interesting because Carlos Stewart would be a really nice fit. He's a really good player. So another kind of player and a name to keep an eye on for the Bulldogs. All right, well, the Zags moved quickly to replace what Roger Powell, who took the head coaching job at Valparaiso University. They're adding former Florida State assistant coach R.J. Barsh to the staff. More on him and his connections in the industry coming up right after this.
All right, segment three, Stanley Patton still locked on Zags. Going away from our conversation about Malachi Smith and what his declaration for the NBA draft means for him, it means for the Zags and their guard room. Instead, we're going to talk about the coaching staff because a few days ago we learned that Roger Powell, four-year assistant coach for the Zags, a beloved figure in the Spokane community, he is departing to take the head coach job at Valparaiso University where he started his college coaching career as an assistant coach totally deserved for Powell. I mentioned this when we talked about him earlier this week. I've had a, a soft spot for Roger Powell. I think he's he's been a tremendous asset for this program, his recruiting, his ability to think outside of the box of Gonzaga, Stephen Gentry and Brian Michelson, of course, uh, former Gonzaga players and coaches. So I, I think you want to kind of have somebody on your staff who who's who's different than that, who doesn't necessarily come from the same tree. And that's what Powell brought to the staff. And that's why I'm glad to see this hire with R.J. Barsh, because he is similar. Now, Barsh is unique because he has connections to the local area, and he has connections completely outside of the local area, and he has connections to former Gonzaga coaches. So it's kind of a mix of everything. Barsh only spent one year at Florida State with the Knowles. But prior to that, he spent the previous three seasons as an assistant coach at Boise State under Leon Rice. Leon Rice, of course, a longtime assistant under Mark Few. So you can bet that Mark Few and Leon Rice had plenty of conversations about Mr. Barsh. And obviously Mark Few must have liked what he heard in order to strike so quickly to hire him mere days after the announcement of Powell going to Valpo. Now, Few likely knew that Powell was taking that job well before we uh, as an audience did, but still uh, nice to see them strike so quickly. Clearly somebody they have some confidence in. Uh, So for Barsh, again, one year with the Knowles, three years at Florida State, or excuse me, at Boise State, where they won the Mountain West and had some of the most successful seasons they have ever had uh, in that program's history. Prior to that, he was a head coach for seven seasons at Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. It is an NAIA school. He led them to multiple national tournament appearances. Most of the time, if you get hired out of the NIA and in NAIA, excuse me, and into the Division One ranks, it's because you had some success at the lower levels. So not surprising to see him have that kind of success. So a lot of experience, three years in Boise, eight years now in Florida between his one at Florida State and his seven in Lakeland. But prior to that, like I said, he's got local connections as well. And before that, he was the head coach at Tacoma Community College here in, of course, Tacoma, Washington, led them to Western region titles in three of his four seasons as the head coach at TCC. So a coach who brings local connections, pipelines, he's familiar with the high schools in the area. He's familiar with the coaches in the area. That helps a lot. Gonzaga already has a lot of connections, rich connections on the western side of the state, but it doesn't hurt to have more. Beyond that, he has connections from his time in Boise, whether that's connections locally to that area or just wherever they chose to recruit while he was at Boise. And he's got connections in Florida. Lots of connections in Florida. Again, only one year at Florida State, but certainly the years coaching at the NIA level. Again, he's familiar with the high school coaches out there. He's familiar with the, and Florida's a hotbed of recruiting. There's a lot of talent in Florida. So for him to have inroads there, for him to have connections in Florida, have connections in Idaho, have connections in Washington. And I think it's important to note Florida State, really, really strong recruiting ties internationally. And for Gonzaga, that's huge. As much as people were worried or are still worried at times that Gonzaga's international recruiting is going to, or has already dipped off dramatically with the departure of Tommy Lloyd. Spoiler alert. It has not. 
look at the incoming recruiting class with Jun Suk Yo from Korea, with Alex Tui from Australia, two international players coming in next year. I don't think that Gonzaga's international pipeline has taken a significant hit, but doesn't hurt to add somebody who likely, and I, I, I struggled to find a lot of data on this. I am hoping as we get more conversations with Barsh himself that we will learn a little bit more about his specific background and potential role in Spokane because right now, I mean, I'm I'm talking to you about this mere hours after this, this hiring was reported. So we don't have a ton of information on what his role is going to be as we learn more about that. As other people kind of get, get opportunities to speak with him, to talk to him, we will kind of come back to this and discuss what his role is going to be, what that might look like. But there's a good likelihood that he has familiarity from an international recruiting perspective. And that cannot hurt for Gonzaga, a school that maybe isn't going to compete with some of the big boys from an NIL perspective. Adding international student athletes is a great way to kind of stay atop, to kind of get ahead of the curve, to continue to be a program that develops talent, a program that churns out high-level NBA talent while maybe not being able to pay top dollar for uh, for some of these players. This is a way to circumvent that. And if Barsh does have that experience, that's a huge addition for the Zags. So like I said, we'll have much more on Barsh, what he brings to the team. We'll have more about Malachi Smith and his de- potential departure. I'm hoping we can do a longer kind of stay or go segment about Malachi Smith. What do we think he should be doing? It kind of depends on the rest of the transfer portal news, which is what we're going to talk about on Friday. We're going to talk more about the transfer portal, some players to discuss. We're going to talk about the Gonzaga baseball program and their weekend series coming up. We're also eventually, probably early next week, we're going to do a Zags in the NBA show. We haven't done one in a while. The NBA season is over. I want to talk about the Zags that are in the playoffs and the roles that they have with their respective teams. I also want to talk about the players whose season has ended. How did Andrew Nemhard finish in his rookie year? What about Corey Kispert at the best year of his professional basketball career? So did Zach Collins. Let's talk about all those guys. We'll get to that sometime next week. So for those of you who are everyday listeners, continue to check out the Locked On Zags program. For those of you who are first-time listeners or not as regular listeners, welcome. Still appreciate you. Please continue to check out the show. It is available wherever you get your podcast. It is also available on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button. We are inches away from hitting 1,500 subscribers on YouTube, an extraordinary accomplishment. I am so thankful for each and every single one of you who has chosen to do so, who is listening for the first time, 10th time, 100th time, whatever it may be. Sincerely, thank you to all of you. And look out for some more fantastic content coming your way to close out the week and into next week as well. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.